BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Random Theory Podcast. I am so psyched to have today's guest. Today we have TikToker, climate communicator, and impact producer Alex Harris with us in the studio to talk about sustainability, his conservation efforts, and living a minimalistic life on the road. Ow. Shout out to my homie. <laughs> <laughs> Today, I am very excited to share Alex with you all because he is somebody that just has this truly infectious spirit of caring about people around him and the world around him. So I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Without further ado, Alex Harris. It's good to be here, guys. <laughs> Thanks Welcome. for having me on I'm the like, show, Grace. Of course. I'm so glad you could like roll through in your house um, and join <laughs> us here in Utah. Yeah, happy to. It's been great. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you do what you do and what you do. Because I, I, I mean, I, we just got to like hop into this because it's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, thanks. So I live on the road full time. I'm a full time digital nomad and have the stated mission and passion of encouraging people to fall in love with the outdoors and take action to protect it. And that's been going on for a long time. It started when I was like in high school and was lucky enough to take a class on environmental science and learn about the climate crisis. And I knew that I wanted my career to be for a purpose greater than myself. Mm, and I love that. being outdoorsy and understanding that the climate crisis affects pretty much every other social, economic, and environmental issue. Um, since it supersedes it, it's or all of them, that's the thing that I want to contribute to. And so since then, I went to school to get a bachelor's in environmental studies and post my undergrad degree, work as many different positions and jobs as I could to get a diverse and very uh, widespread understanding of the many different ways in which one can communicate um, for environmental issues. Um, so one of my favorite things that you shared with me was working, and I think this is one of the cool experiences that you shared was working at a bear sanctuary. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I worked at the Vince Shooty Wildlife Sanctuary in Northern Minnesota. 
um, and spent a little bit of time volunteering there, taking care of black bears and educating the public on their behavior and interactions and lives and um, just what incredible creatures they are. They're hands down my favorite animal. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. So for you, what was a pivotal moment in your life um, and in your career that just really ignited your curiosity um, for the world around you with science? I'm sure there's so many things just like there are. <laughs> it's, it's, there, I mean, the thing about it is that every single day there's a new answer to that, right? It's mm-hmm. like, I mean, science is everywhere and there are so many different interconnected aspects of every single ecosystem. And I think that a lot of people think that nature and wilderness and stuff like that is out there somewhere. Like you have to leave town, you have to go somewhere Mm -hmm. else, you have to get to a spot devoid of humanity to experience like true nature. But that's not true. I mean, there's like millions of leaves in an average neighborhood and those in and of themselves are their own stories and intricacies and things that are fascinating to learn about. Um, So there's constantly new answers to that question but what initially got me fascinated was honestly just taking um little mini hikes with my dad when i was a boy he got me into scouts um and so the two of us would go out to forests and other things and sometimes friends would be there and other times it'd be just us but he was the person that taught me to both respect um well just to respect both the like fragility and ferocity of nature and so being able to understand that it's precious and it's beautiful and it's something to be treasured but also if we treat it the wrong way can absolutely deck us in thousands millions of ways um is a very very careful like beautiful balance and so he taking me on those mini trips is what really got me into it and then the academic understanding just kind of of course poured forth from that passion i love that and and i love that you talked about how delicate our earth really is. I mean, if one thing is out of whack, everything kind of falls down the chain, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so with that, what moment was it where you were just like, I'm going to live on the road? Yeah, it's it's funny. So all, <laughs> all of those past experiences led into the idea of like becoming a better digital communicator, mm-hmm. right? Like wanting to build a digital presence and a digital community that could have tangible real world impact. Um, and so I was actually in the process of finding out what other job to take to make me better at doing that eventually. Yeah. And so I moved out to Colorado to get plugged in a nonprofit world at the start of last year in January and then picked up a part-time job, started applying places. And then two weeks later, COVID happened and the lockdown happened Ugh. and I got let go. And um, so did everyone else that I was working with. No one was hiring. Yeah. Um, and actually a, a really good friend of mine encouraged me to start a patreon and so i did and i had been planning the idea of going on the road for a while um because it's an awesome adventure it's fun like oh i my just want to do sensational. that um, but also strategically it's like this will give me the opportunity to spend 100 percent of my time in the backcountry showing people the world that i love and encouraging them to get out into it and constantly reminding them that that's something that you have to do every day no matter where you are um so it it became this like perfect moment where since i started the patreon and could cover car payments with that i could pick up a car for the first time on my own dime which was crazy um and that made sense strategically for my career too because it meant i didn't have to worry about paying for rent i could focus a hundred percent on building the reputation the career um, and practicing 
uh, digital communication in the outdoor mm -hmm. space. I made the decision to do that a little over a year ago, but I actually started on the road about 10 months ago now and I've been That's doing it crazy. ever since. Yeah, it really worked out. That's awesome. I, I love that so much. And just like being able to experience the backcountry with you was so special because I mean you've got this whole setup I mean we like you, <laughs> you open up yeah the subi you literally open up the back of it and you pull out this plywood kitchen and it's just like so beautifully constructed to live this beautiful minimalistic life and just to see the things that you have seen and experienced just blow my mind um, I love it so much. I'm super thankful for it. And it's it's a team effort, right? I oh, mean, yeah. the entire thing is funded by a community. Like, I couldn't build that myself. My, of course. Uh, a friend of mine and I built it together with their, like, workshop tools. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's just such a testament to how, like, no one of us is going at it completely alone. And it's amazing what can happen when you work together. And being able to create something like that that gets out into these crazy, beautiful places is, like, I'm so, so thankful. Okay, so to be a conservationist, how did that start for you? Obviously, you went to school to study the earth and nature and all the beautiful things. But how did this kind of path open in front of you? Yeah, so I knew when I took that initial class that I wanted to do environmental work mm -hmm. um what that actually looked like didn't i mean this career didn't it existed but it didn't really like it, it's kind of no i know exactly what you mean yeah, yeah. you're a creator you get it like it, there's no direct path what it looked like for me was like i know i want this academic credibility for sure so i need to get the degree for the science aspect of it but the storytelling aspect of it is something that everyone does uniquely and is something that comes about like the opportunities that come with that are completely unique to each individual. No one person has the same ones. And that's a beautiful thing, but it also makes it hard to find a path because yeah. you just kind of have to forge your own. Um, so which thankfully you have experience with building trails out in the wilderness. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I used to I used to build backcountry trails in um in in utah with americorps it blows my mind that we are the exact same age but i feel like you have so much more life experience just being out <laughs> in nature and like throwing yourselves yourself into these organizations and just giving it your all and your whole heart and just doing everything that it took to to be who you are today oh well that's all it takes i mean like oh, psh, all, that's all it, it takes that's, that's all what it takes. <laughs> what it takes like yeah the what i was gonna say is like um this ties perfectly into it's not a sidebar what like what we were gonna talk about this is perfect so like yeah there was the academic thing but understanding storytelling happened on its own and yeah. so i did photography and writing and stuff outside of school and publishing things on social media and instagram but the reason i took so many different jobs and positions and gave them my all um comes from a life approach called the Tarzan method. Have you heard of it? No. Share. Share with all yeah. of us, please. <laughs> the Tarzan method. I learned about it back in the day from Casey Neistat. Okay. Um, when he was like crushing it on YouTube um, on like the daily vlogging yeah. vibe. Um, I don't know if he coined it or if he came up with it from somewhere, but basically what it is is we're here, right, at point A. Yep. And the place that we want to be is point B. And it's all the way over there and we can see it. We can imagine it. Yeah. But the path to get there is very wayward and it's through this jungle and there's lots of turns and unexpected happenings. Um, and there's no direct beeline path to mm -hmm. whatever your aspiration is. But there are vines hanging nearby. 
and you can grab one and you can swing. And it's possible that that vine might take you a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. It won't go exactly straight at what it is that you're trying to do, but none of them will. So it's better to grab a vine close to you and swing and learn from it and move a little bit closer. Even if you're moving 50 yards to the left, it's good to get four yards closer to mm-hmm. your goal. And when you tr- keep doing that and keep doing that, keep going left and right and back and forth and all these different po- like positions and jobs and experiences and like anything that helps you get a little closer to that, it's worth it because eventually you will get there. And it also presents opportunity to get to a new place with a different perspective and maybe see another goal you hadn't realized. Wow. That then becomes your point B. And so you just take another vine close to you and swing. It's always worth it. There's never a perfect opportunity. Oh, Um, I love that so much. I'm now for now on like that is locked in my brain. Right. (laughs) Like that's so beautiful to basically know that no path that you go down or whatever vine you grab is leading you down the wrong direction. It's all leading you to that point B. Oh, that was so great. I needed that in my life. I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah, happy to. <laughs> it's it's really relaxing. Yeah. Because it takes the pressure off of finding the perfect answer and being like anything that I could do will help me in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Are you ready? Amazon Warehouse Hiring Day is coming on October 26th. Amazon will host live hiring events in your city to showcase all the reasons why this Amazon Warehouse is the place to work. Things like competitive pay, great benefits, and so much more. Drop in for some swag, bring a friend, and you could even walk away with a job. To find an Amazon Warehouse Hiring Day event close to you, visit Amazon.com slash hiring day. That's Amazon.com slash hiring day. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Um, how have you found the best way to be a voice for nature? Because I know I try my best and I'm still working on my science communication of being an ally to our environment and the world that we live in. And I highly look up to you and everything that you do. Um, like sincerely from the bottom of my heart, it like it makes me beam knowing that someone is out there taking care of our earth and doing the best that they can to take care of our earth. So how can people be an ally and a voice for nature? And how have you you done it well first thank you oh my gosh i mean I th- <laughs> the it's it's nice because i'm definitely not the only person doing it and there have been not. like literally millions of people doing it for years mm-hmm. and that's that's really really encouraging and something i think that people that want to get more involved in that can lean on to know that the environmental field and conservation and the fight against climate change and environmental justice like all of these things are community efforts it's like the most inherently cooperative field on earth Mm -hmm. um and that's really special i think that the best place for people to start in terms of becoming a voice for nature is first understanding that it's interconnected to us Um, so interconnected and knowing yeah that like sustainability is environmental yeah but it's also social And it's also economic and a sustainable Mm -hmm. society is one in which everyone like environmental beings included, you know, animals and plants can have a life for themselves where it's like genuinely equitable and no one is like getting passed off economically, socially, environmentally. Um, And so the best that what that looks like is different for every single place on earth. Mm -hmm. So the best thing that I recommend after understanding that interconnectedness is to just walk outside and start observing wherever it is that you live and considering it. 
right? Like, I mean, that's the first part of the scientific process, yes. you know, like hypothesizing. Yeah. So you think like, where did these trees come from? Like, were they planted? Have they been here since before people were here? Mm -hmm. If so, why? And just starting to understand like what that relationship is like. Where does the water go when it enters the sewer? Why is it hotter this year than last year? Why hasn't there been rain in a while? Yeah. Um, like I remember when I was like seven, we got like storms all the time and like the summer was rather temperate. Like what yeah. happened to that? <laughs> like yeah. making observations and things like that. Or even in some neighborhoods, right? Like um, why is there soot on my garage door? Yes. Um, like things like that, like asking what just observing and wondering what goes on here and figuring out the source of those like instances and happenings and just trying to answer those questions. Of course. And then as you hunt down the tangible, factual answers to those questions, you'll start finding problems. Mm -hmm. um, you'll find a lot of beautiful things too. <laughs> the beautiful things that you learn about can help you better articulate the problems that you learn about mm -hmm. and motivate people to take action to solve whatever problems are unique to your community. Um, so if it's a water issue, there you go. Like take a stand yeah. on that. If it's something else, take a stand on that, like whatever it may be. But it starts with observing and caring. I think what I love the most, it does start with that observation and that care. Something that I really appreciate you saying was it's in your community. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be the polar bears. It doesn't have to be the penguins. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be the whale. It's your community. 100%. And I think it's funny because like the most recent campaign that I worked on was the Arctic Refuge, which, yeah. which is very far away. Yes. Um, but I think that there has been a great, not maybe misstep, but missed opportunity mm -hmm. by the environmental movement trying to emphasize the far away epic things yes um like it's good to do that from time to time but i think if you're able to articulate and teach people how these issues actually connect at home and how they'll impact the average person's life mm -hmm. then it becomes something that everyone is passionate about yes. instead of just you know the environmentalists mm -hmm. um because it's true that everything is interconnected and there is always a way to do that and yep. it's not making it up like there genuinely is a way to connect everything back to each person. So talking about being involved in the community and acknowledging what is happening in your computing and, and community and observing that, what consequence with climate change has resonated with you the most? Hmm. Cause That's for me, a great question. Yeah, yeah, what's it for you? So for me, it's basically we have had way more intense hurricane seasons and we are going to continue to have intense hurricane seasons if we do not get a control on what we are doing to our environment and our atmosphere, 100%. because as the world is heating up, there's more evaporation happening. More evaporation means that there's more air rising and more water rising, which is causing these hurricanes to become way more intense. Yeah. Um, the, the water cycle is just becoming a lot more active. It's and powerful. super ramped up right now. And it's only going to get more ramped up if we don't do something. And I know it sounds so ridiculous that, and people are like, well, it's just the, it's just the, water cycle and it's like no everything is reliant on one another like the heating and the evaporation and the the rate of evaporation and then that goes into play into wind speeds and that then that plays into the temperatures and that it just everything is so interconnected that makes um, me think of uh atmospheric rivers oh <gasps> and how ludicrous those are they're insane and those getting more powerful scares me to like no end but also fills me with awe it's like oh my gosh yes and 
do you want to explain? Yeah, I was about to say, let yeah. me like explain what an atmospheric river is real oh quick to gosh, the audience. So in atmospheric river, we have these bands that really wrap around the whole world around the equator. And what happens is when one of them gets lifted up, it's just basically a fire hose of water that just basically wreaks havoc and they really come over from the west coast to the east coast from like california they get a lot of them washington gets a lot of them um but what we have to acknowledge is that our weather patterns also happen west to east so basically any kind of atmospheric river that gets up to washington california it then travels across the united states but these suckers are like packed with water yeah picture like literally the mississippi river level of steam evaporating off of the ocean traveling through the sky in the form of clouds and water vapor and then dumping Dumping. down like literally something as big as the mississippi river like just pouring out from the sky as rain and the erosion that happens from them is ludicrous it's wild the thing that like i think personally resonates for me most about in terms of climate change yeah. consequences is wildfire um Ugh. reason being the fir- I, i'd heard about it right but the first time that i ever experienced it personally because i'm a midwestern boy <laughs> the midwest is like you don't catch on fire you don't catch <laughs> fires in the midwest i mean you do but they're like always prescribed they're no big yeah. deal i like i helped with a couple of them and i was like oh this is a wildfire like you know great but that's so not true they were totally controlled and a friend of mine and i took a road trip from illinois out to oregon and that was the first time that i'd really gone like west west, west okay in any kind of like long, long like overland you know yeah and been like able to see the swath of america that is the west and so when we got to denver right i remember leaving illinois people were like oh my gosh you're gonna get to denver like you're gonna get to see the front um the like the mountains uh like the back the city the Mm. foothills of the rocky mountains absolutely beautiful and then we get to denver and they're not there because there's smoke on the horizon and you can't see any of them that's so heartbreaking and we stopped in Denver to Moab to Boise to Portland. I went up to Seattle. All these places, like these iconic cities yeah. that are like backed by mountains, never once the entire time. That's like a 1500 mile distance, like, or I think maybe closer to a thousand. Either way, massive distance yeah. between Denver and Portland. And barely saw mountains except for the ones that were immediately next to us. That because gives of the smoke. me all the chills because that's heartbreaking Mm -hmm. and then this year being on the road when i started like Mm -hmm. i started right before wildfire season and so when i was up in like montana and the northern idaho for this past wildfire season um the smoke was so bad that you could only see a block away sometimes and the fires weren't even nearby yeah so it was like it was just very very intense um and it made me think about what would happen down the line when things like that start happening on the east coast other things where it could Mm -hmm. never happen but the reality is, is whether you're talking about hurricanes or wildfires, it's you're not tracking like every single year it gets worse. It's the trend, as it you know. It is the trend, yep. And so there will be some years that like aren't as bad. Um, but overall, harsher years will happen more frequently. Mm-hmm. And that concerns me. It concerns me drastically, especially as we get closer to that 1.5 mm-hmm. threshold. But it's, it's also encouraging because mm-hmm. as that, as we do get closer, even though we're walking a fine line. We are walking, um, literally, we are tippy-toeing on that line so right close. now. Um, more people are getting excited and encouraged yeah. and, like, working to solve the problem. Yeah. Um, 
which we can talk about in more detail. Um, but that gives me a lot of hope. I think that there, it's very important to tie hope into the, these conversations. And that's exactly what I was just about to say is tying in hope. You do that so beautifully. Thank you. And that is something I appreciate because it's so easy to harp on the negative, but it, there is so much hope and that hope is something that you have actually seen and that you have been a part of. And I really want you to share that hope with everyone about how the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge and how you got the public involved in that. Sure. Because that to me is, there's so much hope in this story. I love this story. It's so beautiful. There's so much hope in this story that like, how could you not get jazzed and excited about our earth and saving it? So it was 100% like, the thing that's great about the story is like, yes, I had involvement. um, Yeah. But the thing that's amazing is that it really took a village to pull this off. I mean, like basically the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge was slated for oil drilling um, Mm -hmm. during the last administration. um, And it was being like pushed through, like speed run into drilling without consulting the native people that live there, the Gwich'in, um, without doing proper environmental assessments. Um, and this place is beautiful. The refuge is huge, millions of acres, but the spot that we were specifically talking about was the coastal plain, this 13 mile stretch of land that was the most sensitive part of the entire place Uh and a spot where just so many species from all over the world go to birth their young, like you grace, but also you (laughs) listener have probably seen birds that were born in the Arctic refuge, no matter where you are, because they host species from... Um, all the continents besides Antarctica. So it's this beautiful, beautiful spot. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. But like that to me, continents. Every single one, yeah. Except Antarctica. They come to be here. Mm -hmm. Like think about that. Continents of species coming to one location. It's one of the greatest family reunions on earth. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's awesome. That's Um, so beautiful. Yeah. And it's sacred to the people there. And obviously there's all the climate impacts of Mm -hmm. Arctic drilling. And you combine that with the fact that financially it didn't even make sense. Yeah. Because all of the major banks in like North America had said, we're not going to fund this. So it would have come from like foreign investment and not even really made the country that much money. It was a whole thing. And so um, it didn't make sense. And there were some public comment periods out where people could submit their opinion Mm-hmm. and try to get it emphasized to the government like we do or do not want this to happen vast majority of people don't want it to happen of course um and so i'd been on instagram for a long time didn't facebook seems determined to make instagram worse with every update that they put out and so i was wondering like is there a more actionable platform that i can get on in order to encourage people to actually do things because there's a lot of seeing things on the internet but yep. it's hard to translate that to doing things Um, And TikTok was brought to my attention by a friend of mine. And I started, uh, I made a quick little, little diddle TikTok about the, uh, about the cause and everything. Yeah. Um, And then Protect the Arctic, a documentary group um, that had made an amazing documentary on the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, reached out and wanted to, was looking for a place to like share its footage. Uh-huh. Um, and so they turned to TikTok. I was the only person on TikTok really talking about it. Um, and so we started working together. And then I got ushered into this amazing community of them and the other members of the Arctic Coalition uh-huh. and the Gwich'in and this group of people that has been working and fighting for this for decades. Um, 
and start like kind of just took point on the TikTok end of it, but um, encouraged people to have uh, use their voice on TikTok by not only writing public comments, but also creating their own videos to share with the world. So when I was like initially the only person making videos, a couple of people jumped in and we were initially writing to the Bureau of Land Management. We got 17,000 public comments in the Bureau of Land Management, and then they closed their public comment period early. So we were kind of out of options. Yeah. And we were like, is there anything else that we could do? Because that's that was that's the way. Yeah. yeah. And it was crazy because 17,000 was already a crazy successful environmental yeah. campaign. But I mean. You wanted more. Yeah. So like <laughs> wanted to emphasize how many people care about this. And so Fish and Wildlife had a public comment period open too. Not for the actual sale of leases in the refuge, but for the seismic testing process, which is Mm -hmm. the first step of oil drilling. Um, So you're like, well, I mean, we can maybe combat the oil drilling by like preventing that from happening, even if we can't prevent the sale. And so then we explain the story to the public and we're like, hey, like we were trying to go to Bureau of Land Management, as you guys know, but they closed their comment period early. So let's start right into the fish and wildlife period and like really emphasize how much we care about this. And the next day over 50,000 letters got in and then (laughs) 50,000 letters. And by the end of the week, it was a hundred (laughs) thousand, which was about the time that we made the toolkit and the footage Yeah, and then pumped that out. Cause it was like, Oh my gosh, like there are three weeks left in this period. If even nine other people do as well, if not ideally better than me, yeah, that's a million letters. And so continued encouraging people to make stuff and put it out there and it just swept the platform and uh in another week we had a million letters which was already so like so far beyond expectation of course um and then at that point like major tiktokers started getting involved in it like charlie d'amelio dropped a post about it it ended up being um the final count by the end of the comment period was 6.3 million public comments which is the largest public comment period participation for any issue in federal history for a single comment period that is is so beautiful and that's great and that's fine and all but it doesn't really matter if it doesn't actually work right and it did uh yeah (laughs) biden uh on his first day in office this administration threw out an executive order to pause the drilling and then a couple weeks later the permits were nixed so we still want permanent protection for the place um, to keep that from happening again but um it was a cool clutch moment to be able to... I love to, that. Yeah, because once you start, you can't reverse that. So Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you wrote a letter... Thank, thank you, you so yeah. much. Yeah, <laughs> We really love you and we appreciate you so much. Seriously. Um, I really have to know. <laughs> Actually, I do know. But I really want our audience to know about what you are working on now. What your mm. big project is because it's beautiful. It, this was great. I'm the so Arctic excited. National Refuge was so beautiful, but this is beautiful because it hits close to home for people. So yes. I'm going to let you plug this, chug away with it, and just like tell people why they need to plant a seed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's it's a fun story. So um, now we're working on a fundraising campaign. We've never done a fundraiser before. And to be completely, totally transparent, I am getting paid nothing for any of this. Like no one is making money off of this campaign. Um, Which is so special. Yeah. So like that, that's throwing that out there right now. Um, The 
we were talking as a as a group. We have a community Discord, like me and the community that I've established on TikTok and Instagram, and we talk about like how we can help the world and other mm-hmm. campaigns we can do that foster tangible action. And so we we're like, what's a good idea? And a couple of people really wanted to do something around community gardens, because um, community gardens are a phenomenal way to combat the issue of food deserts. If mm-hmm. I know you're familiar with food deserts because we've talked about yep. it, but for the audience, food deserts are places in the world where nutritious healthy food is not easily accessible so like a lot of you know suburbs in america you just go to the grocery store but mm-hmm. there are a lot of places like inner city neighborhoods rural towns where yeah. your only options for food are taco bell 7-eleven mcdonald's that's your diet that's your yeah. only option um and so that has a really negative impact on the community and community gardens are a great way to combat that issue and encourage like give communities fresh food that they want, that they cultivate themselves, um, while simultaneously also building these really positive relationships with each other and understanding a connection to food and the earth. And so we wanted to start basically as many as we can. Mm -hmm. There's this organization, Seed Money, it's own it's one guy his name is roger he's great <laughs> he's yeah roger shout out to roger huge shout out to roger roger we love you because he's the bomb um and uh the stated purpose of seed money like their entire mission is to provide grants to passionate individuals that want to start community gardens in their localities around mm-hmm. the world it's international um And so this campaign is raising as much money as we possibly can to make their grant budget as big as it can possibly be Mm -hmm. while simultaneously generating interest. So more people apply for said money to get a community garden for their own neighborhood, which I love. And then this pot will grow as large as we can make it. Uh Um, And then seed money will review the applications that come in later in the year in November, December, and then dole that money out to people with solid plans, tangible, actionable plans um, to start community gardens in their own neighborhoods. And it only takes about on average, like 800 to $1,200 to like a grand for the lumber, the soil, the tools, the seeds, everything that you need to start a garden. And then from there, it's all volunteer. Um, that's amazing so yeah that's that's what we're doing right now but the catch the gimmick of this whole campaign and the thing that makes it interesting is with the especially with the metaphor of understanding how planting one seed can make a Mm -hmm. huge difference in the world and bring immense yields of fruit and vegetables and just goodness for the world at large you know we talked back and forth about like oh what should we make the minimum donation for this campaign and then Roger was like, what if we made a maximum donation of a dollar? So, and we thought about it and we're like, you know, like that's perfect. Like it's even if, beautiful. if you want to give more than a dollar, you can't. Yeah. Like Lucy, the eight year old has as much stake in this game as Bill Gates does. Like a 13 year old's dollar is contributes the same financially as the millionaire's dollar massive equalizer the only way that you can help more is to get more people involved so that is your cue listeners get more people give a dollar involved. give a dollar and then send it to your friends your family your cousins your ex-boyfriend your ex-girlfriend <laughs> like send it to your aunt your teacher you haven't talked to in a million years yeah. get it out there <laughs> this only works if we do it together and again I, Roger, everyone involved, none of us are making money on this at all. A hundred percent of the dollars you give um, will go 
to people that want to make their communities better and foster a community garden for themselves. It's it's so beautiful. It's I so love beautiful. It. And the fact that you're planting community gardens, coming from an avid gardener, I mean, I yeah. love gardening. Yeah. There's something so fruitful and beautiful about growing your own fruits and vegetables and then consuming them and knowing how much love and energy and just I mean, not, not even just your own energy, but energy from the sun, mm-hmm. energy from the soil. Like, I know it sounds weird to say energy from the soil, but like those roots still have to sink in and soak up all the nutrients. 100%. And so being able to eat something that you have grown in your community and then have a community meal with everything you grew in the garden is mm-hmm. just even more special. It's so beautiful. I can't I wait to it. see the, um, the like tangible ways that this gets used. And I'm really thankful that we have a solid vetting process to make sure that it, it really gets to places that'll use it and use it well. Good. Um, cause that's what, that's what life's all about. So yeah, it is. give a dollar guys. Let's, let's save the world together. Give a dollar. Where can they give a dollar? <laughs> uh, they can give a dollar at dollargardens.com slash donate. And you can find that link in my we'll put TikTok it in the bio. De- yeah. And we'll put it in the description of this podcast. Yeah. Check it in the show notes. Yep. There it is. <laughs> Alex, this has been fantastic. I have one more question for you. Bring it on. And that would be, what advice do you have for the younger generation or anyone Mm. listening currently? It's twofold. Uh, The first is that, like, especially understanding climate and all this stuff and how interconnected we are, first is that you're never alone and you have an entire generation at Mm. your back willing to do things with you. I mean, we've proven that once and we're proving it again now. Um, and it's, it's amazing to see how many of us are all on the same page. And the second thing is life is hard mm-hmm. inherently. It is difficult. That is a given and success is not a given. So when you're looking at the path that you want to choose for yourself, consider the difficulties of the paths in front of you and wonder which of those difficulties excite you the most. So for me with road life, right? Like it's hard, it's rainy and wet and cold. And the winter time is difficult when you live in a Subaru outback. But when I was thinking about that versus, you know, trying to find a nine to five during COVID, afford an apartment, all that stuff, like that didn't excite me. Those difficulties Mm -hmm. didn't really light my fire. But being able to deal with the weather, ration food, go on these adventures, figure out how to get my car unstuck from like the desert, if that ever happened, stuff like that, that excited me. That was something I was really looking forward to doing. Like the problems that came with road life and building this career made me happy. They weren't any less difficult, but they made me excited. Um, And so since difficulty is a given, listeners, if there's anything that you, if you're trying to decide between two paths, focus a little less on the not guaranteed success because that'll be fleeting. And once you achieve it, you'll need to achieve something greater. Um, but the difficulty will always be there. So whatever difficulty lights your fire, whatever like hardship is something you're looking ex- like excited to solve, that's the path that you should go down. Mm. Dang. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that is something you guys all need to write down. I'm literally like holding on to all those words for like ever. Okay, to wrap this up, you guys know what it is. It is some rapid randomness. Alex gets to choose five cards, and he's going to answer five questions, and we'll see what he says. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. So ready. It's been said that worry is a misuse of imagination. What do you think about worry? I think it's it's not worthwhile. 
I agree. Yeah. How did you meet your closest friends? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's such a hard question. I mean, one of my closest friends is, is Lewis right outside. We met in preschool. That's literally We've been friends so since sweet. we were like three years old. Aww. I think we like, I don't know, shared Legos on the play mat or something. I'm sure that's what it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Friends for life. Friends for life. Um, what comes easily to you? Bonding with people. Mm, I believe that. Yeah. When have you been underestimated? Definitely like when when starting this whole thing off. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I think actually, well, I guess this is a rapid randomness question. So I'll answer it super, super fast. But when starting my creative career, I think a lot of creatives go through this where they like have so much passion for the world and ideas and things, but you haven't been recognized yet. Like you haven't been accepted into the professional community. Mm -hmm. Um, And so probably, I mean, I was at this like six years before it like really started taking off with road life. So like that whole time um, I was confident and excited, but also was rejected on a very regular basis and so felt underestimated then for sure what building or place was important to you that doesn't exist now there was an abandoned building in chicago that i won't point out specifically for obvious reasons but there was there was a building in chicago that um i when i started photography we would do like urban exploration yeah and that like all the time um and there is there was a place that we went to uh where you could go to the top of it and just look out and see the entire city. And How it was, beautiful. it was so gorgeous. Um, and yeah, we romped around that when we were like, you know, 18, 19, yeah. whatever. Um, but thought it's, you were cool. yeah, I thought we were the coolest kids yeah, on the yeah, block. Yeah. I feel that. Um, but it's, it's gone now. So there were a lot of really, really special memories there Aww. and good conversations that definitely like came, you know, you know, that insurance on castle yeah. on the hill, mm-hmm. um, where it's like these people raised me. Yeah. A lot of those memories are, are there and it's gone now, but it holds Aww. a very special place in our heart. I love that. Yeah. That's so sweet. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, anything that you want to plug, plug your social so people can find you. They'll also be in the show notes for people. Um, but give them the give them the rundown. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Alex.Harris, which is spelled H-A-R-A-U-S. It's Ukrainian. Um, and you can check me out on YouTube under the same name. Since I don't make any money off of these campaigns, if you want to support the work that I do financially um, and keep this sort of thing going into the future, you can also check me out on Patreon. I love that. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining us. You guys know what to do. Like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you loved about this podcast. Share it with your friend, your neighbor, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, your ex, all those great people in your life and you know post your favorite part on your instagram story so we can share it with and then give a dollar yes and then give a dollar (laughs) while you're at it give a dollar to plant a community garden uh thank you so much alex again and we will see you all next week Are you ready? Amazon Warehouse Hiring Day is coming on October 26th. Amazon will host live hiring events in your city to showcase all the reasons why this Amazon Warehouse is the place to work. Things like competitive pay, great benefits, and so much more. Drop in for some swag, bring a friend, and you could even walk away with a job. To find an Amazon Warehouse Hiring Day event close to you, visit Amazon.com slash hiring day. That's Amazon.com slash hiring day. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.